Uh, we have four readings this morning, so bear with me, but most of them are short. <laughs> so the first is from Matthew, um, from the Common English Bible. Jesus replied, you must love your God with all your heart, with all your being, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You must love your neighbor as you love yourself. And now from Acts. They shared food with gladness and simplicity. They praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. God added daily to the community those who were being saved. And from Micah. He has told you, human one, what is good and what the Lord requires from you, to do justice, embrace faithful love, and walk humbly with your God. And finally from Luke. While Jesus and his disciples were traveling, Jesus entered a village where a woman named Martha welcomed him as a guest. She had a sister named Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his message. By contrast, Martha was preoccupied with getting everything ready for their meal. So Martha came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to prepare the table all by myself? Tell her to help me. The Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the better part. It won't be taken away from her. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. So let us pray. God, for the spirit that is in this place, the spirit that allows us to simply be and bring everything that we are, bring all of our weariness and our joy, bring our laughter and our tears, to bring it all into this space, the space that is the gathered people, whether we are actually in the same room or scattered throughout the world, we know that you, O oh God, are with us. Continue to be with us today. Guide the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts, so they are acceptable to you. We pray all this in the name of Christ and God's people say, amen. All right, all, so we are on week two of our time together. Um, I'm going to run through a little bit of recap, not everything from last Sunday, but just uh, to make sure that we're remembering what we're doing and why we're doing it. So uh, this is, you know, also Martin Luther King's uh, weekend, uh, and we are not intentionally not talking about it, but we're also in the middle of what we've been doing. Uh, thinking about uh, for the last you know year or so about who we're going to be for the future of this church. Um, but I do want to acknowledge, and I do this in almost every gathering I'm at, that, that no matter how weary we are, um, there are a lot of meetings and interactions that we have where we're not our best selves, we're tired, um, we want all this to be done. And then there are other things going on in our life that are compounded by uh, the way the pandemic has, has hit, that I do want to um, acknowledge that this community uh, has been incredibly generous to one another, uh, have been generous between your leadership and, and the community, and we have been as flexible as one could imagine us to be during all this time. We are certainly not without our faults and our fights and all the things that go on in community, um, but I do want to say that uh, you know, wherever this all may lead us as we go, uh, it may not go as fast as we want, or we might not get everything that each of us particularly wants and all of that. Um, I, I want to say that 
we've done a pretty good job together as a community. And I'm going to, I will remind us of that every Sunday, that it feels like it's just a little more weary every week. Um, if you were uh, not here last Sunday, I uh, really encourage you to, to listen, not to the second, to the ninth sermon uh, that was last Sunday. Uh, they talked about how we got to this place of doing this new mission statement uh, a little of the past few years, motivation, so you'll understand why we're doing it. Make sure you go back and listen to that one. I'm not going to run through them all today, as, all, as well as warnings and cautions, uh, timeline. It leaves all that out, uh, and all the links are there. Um, so you can uh, go ahead and, and watch it on YouTube. Again, the January 9th service. I don't know why it's the second. Um, as well as uh, if you want to see the draft mission statement, uh, that'll pop up in your, in your chat as well. So we want to make sure that you have all that information, but I'm not going to go through it every, every Sunday. Um, what I do want to do is, is uh, want to uh, talk a little bit about, again, the mission's possible mission statement. Everything in bold is in, says possible. I know that it feels like a train has left the building for some of you, but we really are trying to, to offer something for us to chew on. We have done some work around what it means, but this is a possible mission statement. Uh, so again, if this is new to you, uh, you're here, or if it's not, you're hearing this again or third or fourth time. A good mission statement would be one that if I were to, in a year, uh, somebody were to walk into the sanctuary or online and say, hey, tell us your mission statement. Everybody in that space would generally know what we stand for and what we mean. So, right, so it is drawn together by God, meaning that we are all, all brought together by this Holy Spirit in the world. We strive to be a Christian community uh, committed to disrupting injustice, seeking wisdom, practicing empathy, and expressing the beauty of the divine. Uh, last week, I focused on uh, that first part. We talked a little bit about what it means to be drawn together, and I'll do that a little bit more towards the end again, uh, but really focused on disrupting injustice. One of the most, um, uh, I want, I'm not even going to say controversial, that seems negative. As we've shared this out, it's one that has generated the most conversation uh, and uh, I think is, has, did in your small groups last week as well. Uh, but today I'm going to talk about another one. But I want to make sure I walk through a little bit just to remind you about these are words and phrases and things that were not brought together just because we, um, you know, we like the way they sounded together, that there is a flow to it, that it, it, it moves through worship, a gathering, confessing, a hearing, responding, and a going, ascending. Uh, it's an active mission statement. So we are not determining the end goal, but we are working together. We are moving uh, the content that you'll get to hear about. It's not out of the blue, right? These are things that this church has been in its history, and we're trying to, to frame it uh, in a way to tell the story. Um, and as we did work before pandemic, looking at the fourfold nature of Christ and the prophetic nature, that dis disrupting, that priestly is the seeking, the pastoral is the empathy, and the poet is the creative uh, and the beauty of the divine. This is all focused around the idea that we are about growth and trying to figure out how we go about um, moving to tell the story a little different. The phrasing and the, the vibe of this is a more poetic kind of flow uh, and that honors our tradition, um, but hopefully speaks to voices that are not part of this church yet. And so I think that's just a little bit around that. The text that you heard Caroline read, those very short ones, those are the focus texts for the whole thing that you will hear each Sunday. And then there's a main text for each of the four pillars. 
Um, and again, the drawn together, that's the call to worship, gather by God, you can read that on your own. The disrupting injustice, it's the idea is, is our instinct to make the world a better place, that we know there are things in the world that require us to step into boldly into those spaces. Uh, seeking wisdom, which I'll talk about today, uh, is making sure that what we do is informed and that we're moving into the world and through the world well. Practicing empathy is, is taking seriously this commitment to get to know one another, to get to know one another, to practice empathy both inwardly and outwardly in ways that, that maybe we've done in the past or we've never done in the past, but we might do in the future. And then expressing the beauty, beauty of the divine, this is one that is about sharing the story. As you know, I, am, um, I, am, I believe that the church can grow in this space, uh, and, and I don't want to have to convince you that that is the case, but expressing the beauty is going to be our call to share the story uh, beyond uh, those who are already experiencing it here. Um, and then today, I want to do a little bit of seeking wisdom with you. So I'm going to stop sharing, so you're going to see my whole face, hopefully, uh, any minute now. There we go. Um, and so uh, I, I just want to uh, say as we go, the seeking wisdom piece for me uh, is, you know, again, we had the scripture reading that we, we had, um, uh, and um, the Luke passage kind of helps us think about what we're supposed to do. But I want to um, illustrate this with a couple of things first. So the seeking wisdom piece is, for me, what it means for us to move into the world and through the world in a way that makes sense, that it is a way that doesn't um, uh, fall into traps that churches do often, where we believe that we know what should happen, and so we just move through the world as if we have the truth. I think we critique other traditions for doing that, right? We critique, I would, you know, unapologetically more conservative fundamentalist organizations and churches who would say, we know exactly what things should, how things should happen and what sh should happen. And I think we look down on that. We critique that and judge, it, judge that for good reason, because we believe that God's truth kind of unfolds and we think we know where we're headed. But I think we also can run afoul of that and um, not always know the ways that we should move through the world. Um, uh, some of you know about, uh, gosh, about 10 years ago now, maybe a little longer, uh, when the uh, earthquake struck in Haiti. Uh, so I had a chance to travel to Haiti and, on behalf of the Presbyterian Church USA and um, meet the the workers that were there. The UN was uh, uh, still in Haiti. Uh, and travel to hospitals that the Presbyterian Church had sponsored. And I went to this one hospital in this outside town out of Port-au-Prince, and um, we met the director of the hospital. There's rubble all over, but the hospital had, had stayed pretty intact. And they toured us throughout the, um, the hospital setting. And one of the things that happened is they, they took us to this room, and uh, they opened the door up, and they said, I present to you now the junk for Jesus room. And I'm like, well, this can't be good. <laughs> I just remember it. And they said, these are all the things that churches have sent us that they think we need. And there was this huge room in this hospital filled with boxes and boxes of stuff. They showed us one box that had broken toys in them. As if, you know, this is, this is not 
you know, decades ago when we could point to folks and say, gosh, they were, their missionary mentality, like even these poor Haitians would love even our broken toys. This is like recent. And there's that. And then they showed us this big pile of boxes and they were all filled with extra large paper hospital gowns. In the middle of Haiti where everybody is sweating and people are not big. <laughs> and so they were like, yeah, some well-intentioned, well-meaning church said, hey, we have these thousands of hospital gowns. Let's send them to a hospital in Haiti. And that's what they did. And this room was packed with boxes and boxes. And all I could think about was what, you know, well-intentioned. So I will give some, but how poorly thought out. How poorly thought out. How arrogant of us as Christians, those churches to decide exactly what this community needed. For churches of privilege, for churches of means, we run that danger all the time of thinking that we know exactly what everybody else needs. Now, we can certainly land in places. We need to think about the world needs to be more peaceful. We can land on, we do believe that gun violence should be fought. We can land on, we do believe that borders need to be humane and allow folks who are seeking asylum to be let through. We do know that we can land on places around LGBTQIA inclusion, around all kinds of things. But that doesn't mean we know exactly how to get to those places or how exactly those things come to fruition. That's what seeking wisdom is going to be about for us. The wisdom we seek is important for us to know. The wisdom we seek will be the wisdom that is guided by our Christian tradition. The wisdom we seek is going to be informed by all of the things that we think about and we have learned. We hold, um, as we know, we hold the, the newspaper in one hand and the Bible in the other, but we are a tradition of faith that combines all of the gifts of intellect and science and study with our Christian tradition. That is what makes us unique and that is the, the story we tell into the world so that we are ones that when folks are looking and seeking for a, a way to move through the world that is based on a spirituality and a divinity that is lacking in other places, they would seek us. We are not just about uh, what the Bible says. We are not literalists in that regard, but we are ones that are informed by the traditions that have been passed down from our ancestors and generations before us. And we seek that because Christ calls us to seek wisdom. This story from Luke. Now, uh, whenever we hear the story of Mary and Martha, I know we have a few Marthas who are part of our church. So uh, I hope you don't take the passage, you know, too personally. Uh, I don't, do we have, we have a Mary Alice. I'm trying to think if we have many Marys in, in this church. But if you're a Mary, you don't get to feel great about, it. you know, like it doesn't mean that you're perfect either. Um, but this story, whenever I read it, um, I'm an eldest sibling of four, and I know the oldest siblings, whenever they hear the Mary and Martha story, they're like, what's so wrong with Martha? Like, Martha's doing all the work. Martha's doing all the heavy lifting, and Mary, like the youngest child, is going over just kind of playing around. 
Well, I understand that and I feel that at times. I'm like, okay, well, my to-do list is getting done and Mary's is not. That is not the point of this story, of this telling, right? Because Jesus isn't saying to Martha and to Mary, this is how you always are. Jesus doesn't say it to them always and never anything like that, like we like to do, these absolutisms that we love in our world. Jesus says to us that there are times you need to actually sit and listen and discern and be. And if we haven't learned that during time of pandemic where um, we cannot manage our way or to-do list our way out of this crisis, that there are, are times where we need to just sit and be, then I don't know what else is gonna push us into that. But what I think this calls us to in this particular pillar is for us to take time to sit at the metaphorical feet of Jesus because we have to figure out what that means for us as a tradition and as a people. So the danger of this mission statement that we are starting to look at is, so last week after Disrupting Injustice, there were folks that felt like, but that's not all we are. And I'm like, no, there's actually three more pillars to go through. Sitting and discerning and being this body of Christ is also not just what we do. All of these things will inform one another. And so today, though, the seeking wisdom is one that I think is important for us to think about. So how do, what, what's the context of that for us as a church? The first is this, that I think that um, uh, social justice churches, churches that are committed to justice in the world, often get a bad rap that say you have to choose between justice work and Jesus. You choose between justice and Jesus. I never grew up with that. I grew up in a church where those were intrinsically connected. Sure, there were times we talked about one more than the other. I think sometimes those of us that are justice-seeking churches are afraid to talk about Jesus in the world too much because we don't want to be seen as those kind of churches. And again, nowhere in our push and our future am I going to be asking you or are we asking each other to, to proselytize in a way that is uh, inconsistent with who we are. I was actually, sidebar, I was at a Target this weekend doing some shopping for the kids uh, as they head back to college. And, you know, we're at Target, we're all masked, and this guy comes walking up to me with a card, unmasked, and says, hey, are you interested in church? And I'm like, not yours. But, uh, you know, I think he handed, like, he handed me this card, and I'm like, okay, so we're not headed in that. We don't want to be perceived as that. But at the same time, if we don't have a good hold on who Christ is in our work, then we, we get caught in this, are we a justice group? No, yeah, not just only. We're a justice com community committed to justice because we're informed by our callings of Christ. And so I think we have done that. You have done that before I got here. That is part of our DNA. I'm not sure it's always been communicated well. I don't think we've always listened to each other well around that in this place, but I think it's been here. So I wanna make sure we say that. The growth component for me around this though, is that because in many ways, progressive justice-seeking churches have abandoned the Christian public life in, in too many ways, what we hear now is about Christian churches that are often mostly about anti-government and uh, fighting vaccinations, and we've abdicated that space. 
I don't think folks have, have stopped seeking Christian community, but I think they've stopped seeking that kind. And so if we can tell a story that says our community takes seriously these justice issues and what I'll talk about next time around empathy and practicing community informed by who Christ has called us to be, then I think we speak a different language for those who are seeking some kind of church community. So what does that mean for growth? I think it means that uh, we are committed to knowing God and our Christian tradition, that as we move forward with program, as we think about worship, our faith formation, we take that seriously. And I don't want to say that we haven't taken it seriously, but the resources and the staffing and the time and the people we have in this community have not been used to build faith formation from birth to death in significant ways in the past. I think it's about a commitment to hearing voices that expands our understanding and experience of wisdom. That we cannot singularly decide by our own experiences how to address the pains and the suffering and the healing that is needed in the world. That is when we get in trouble, is when we believe that we have the answers completely within our community. So we commit to hearing voices that expand our experience of wisdom. And then lastly, as we seek this, a main piece will be our commitment to self-examination and ongoing growth. The idea that we are never, ever done. I don't know how many times that I have met with people who are mortality has become real for them. I remember a, a, an elder at a previous church that I served uh, was in his last few weeks of life and as I went to visit with him pretty much daily, because we could at that point, one of the conversations I remember um, him saying, he, he and his wife, they were sitting there and, and he says to me, and we knew that he only had a couple weeks to live. And he says to me, and I'll never forget this. He says, I want to know what God still wants me to do. What am I still learning about God? You know, and I'm thinking if I had two weeks to live, I, I, I hope that I have the strength of faith and humility and yearning to continue to know who God wants me to be, that if I knew I only had a couple of weeks to live, I would still be seeking that out. I'd like to think that's where I'd be. I don't know if that is true, but I think there is something about knowing ourselves completely and knowing that God is never, ever done with us. And that is a space of wisdom. So let me share, as I did last time, some ways to begin to think about what does this actually mean? The funniest part about doing a new mission statement is the idea of a mission statement is you develop like core beliefs, you claim them, and those then inform what you do. Like many people, as we've had conversations with folks, like, well, we're not sure about the mission statement, because we want to know what it means we'll do. Like, I'm not going to agree to disrupting injustice until I know exactly what it means. When the idea is, no, 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 no. We actually look at our core fundamental values, and those inform then what we do. So I want to be very clear. As I offer you these things, these are all possible ways that this could be lived out. 
Nothing has been decided, nothing has been funded, no staff has been hired, we haven't developed any committees, thank God. But these are things that could possibly grow out of this. And so I want to make that very clear. I, I do not think I can say possible things enough during these four sermons. But here we go. Here are some things that I would like us to, to think about as possibilities. It's, and I'm breaking each of these into outward and inward expressions. Remember, in your small groups, you're going to be asked, what did you hear? Right? So, one, this church has a tradition of wanting to be known. Now, I don't think that's bad because we have resources and we have the technology that's beginning to grow. We have a passionate and bold and annoying and obnoxious commitment to justice, which I love. And so I, wouldn't, I think one of the things, our outward expression, is to actually do a hybrid national event based on gatherings, on, on topics or issues that we believe are important for the Christian church to, to understand and experience. The number of events that are happening now that are hybrid uh, in other spaces are growing, but for us as a, a community trying to, to lift things up, the, the resources we have and who we know and the resources we have in our money and our technology, all of that, we could do some pretty amazing things to see ourselves as a center of some thinking and wisdom and guidance and, and passion and justice that is Christ-centered that comes out of this space. That's one. Some of you will remember the Bob Brown lectures, right? That's what you become to. But actually to, to think bigger about what that could be. The second outward expression is to then dive deeper with a theologian in residence, to bring somebody in. We have the resources. Who could use this community and the outward community to develop deeper relationships around theological meaning and how it impacts the world? So you bring in someone to hang out with us, be out in the community, but to, to come outside of who we are, bring somebody in to really begin to help us expand um, who we understand ourselves to be. Another outward that could happen is something like um, becoming a partner with a mission coworker around the world. You know, I know we've had spontaneous or only relational kinds of, uh, we know somebody who's doing something, they were part of here, but what does it mean for us as a community to always be in partnership with one or two or three mission coworkers who are living in another part of the world and serving on our behalf as Presbyterians, but uh, for us to develop an actual relationship. So, so what's happening in, say, the Philippines, or what's happening in, uh, in the Congo, what's happening uh, in Colombia, uh, when our mission coworkers, that, that we are actually in formed by people outside of us so that when we move out into the world, we have that sitting with us so we don't go and send hospital gowns to Haiti. So that's outward. Possible inward things that we could do as we seek wisdom. This is probably one of the most important. I know everybody wants to guess which is Bruce like the most out of all the four pillars. I like them all. But I would say that as a church, a commitment and resources to developing church-wide discipline of Bible study and prayer is crucial. I would almost say that is not even something that should be possible. That is something that no matter where we end up, that has to be a commitment here. Now, it's not that I'm saying we don't are not committed to Bible study and prayer. 
What I'm saying is that we're not committed to them in a way that is church-wide or consistent. I believe that one of the things that we could do is have a prayer group that meets every week, right? Prayer groups, I think we have this idea about what those could be and that's what they do, but I think that that is something that we don't do very well here. That we need to seek God's guidance beyond our intellectual and our kind of academic minds. That how do we sit in prayer as a community that's focused on, on justice and healing and empathy and hold that together with God? And if there has not been a time where prayer has seemed so much needed uh, these days, it is now. And to do Bible study in a way that releases and unleashes the power and transformation of Scripture. That we, do, we don't want to be considered a literalist, Bible-thumping community, but we need to dive deeper beyond what, if you have not been to early church, right? Early church does deep, good Bible study together every Sunday morning. I would love for us as a whole community to find ways to engage more consistently in our Bible study. Another inward is continued self-examination about this community's own understanding of race in the world. To pursue being not just a church that isn't racist, but a church that is anti-racist. Now, I know I mentioned this last time, and I hope folks aren't feeling like, Bruce has just called this church racist. But I think every community has to understand that we have been infected and impacted by the way we understand blackness in the United States and how we have benefited from that. And so part of what we need to do is expand our understanding of how we find reconciliation and understanding so that we can intentionally not buy into those things in the future. That is not simply reading a book that is not simply having a consultant come in and tell us all these things. It is about developing a deep understanding of our own personal biases, how that's in fact impacted our systems and our community. And I do think that acknowledging our history in this particular church, that there are things that many of you probably don't know, and there are things that need to be shared and talked about in order for this community to genuinely be open to a more diverse future. And the last thing that I think, and this is, I end with a fun one, is that um, we can do more consistent book study and travel that builds proximity to other voices. Like this is not a hard one, right? For us to say, hey, let's study books here at First Press. Like we've done so many and it's great, but I think we need to be more consistent and expand the voices that come into who we think about and to step into some of the ways in which we build proximity. Brian Stevenson talks about, who is the Equal Justice Initiative, Brian Stevenson talks about the biggest problem about us, the, the, the world, and he focuses on folks who are incarcerated, is proximity. What we have built into our world is separation, and what we need to fight that separation is intentional proximity building. So, you're outwards, right? National event, let's go big. Theologian in residence, let's get deeper. And then supporting coworkers on thinking about ways to make us sure we are consistently connected with voices really outside of our context. Inwardly, 
really focus and commit to Bible study and prayer, not episodically, but really part of who we, look, who we are, self-examination of our own racism, and consistent book study and travel. Those are all possible things that could come out of seeking wisdom, which ultimately is about how we seek to know God, drawn together by God. How do we get to know God? How do we understand our spirituality and our calling as a Christian community? That then informs how we move into the world and through the world in a way that is different than other bodies. So as you think about these things, as you think about the ways in which you might gather, think about those ways that you may need to seek wisdom more deeply with more texture and more depth so that you can do the work, we can do the work of the church in ways that are thoughtful and meaningful and are ways that actually, I believe, have more impact and actually achieve the things that we hope to achieve when we do those grounded more deeply in our understanding of God. So your second pillar today, seeking wisdom. Let us pray. God, we thank you for this time and for your ongoing presence in our lives. We would ask, oh God, that you continue to move us, you continue to challenge us, that you continue to remind us about who you are in the world. We again thank you for all the ways in which you will um, move us as a community. We thank you for uh, all the ways that you will continue to bring us in small groups and bring discussion, disagreement, and discernment. We thank you for this day and every day, and we pray all this in the name of Christ and all God's people say, amen.